there to honor him. Come on, open your mouth, lift up your voice, clap your hands, honor him today. Jesus, we welcome your presence. Hallelujah. Come on, give him some praise today. Come on, if you've got something to be grateful for, give him praise, give him glory. Jesus, we thank you. Wonderful Jesus. Come and just lift your hands in his presence this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We have given you honor. We have worshiped your holy name. Now come, Holy Spirit. Manifest your presence in this place today. Manifest your goodness in our hearts today. Manifest your faithfulness in our hearts today. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Welcome, Heidi my Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Come on, turn to somebody, high five them. Show them some affi. Great to see you here. Great to see you. this atmosphere of worship that you got friends you haven't seen for like ages <laughs> we're gonna take up communion this morning and this is our lovely Tracy Hansen come on it's the first time up this morning give her a welcome My name is Tracy, and it's a privilege to share the communion message with you today. We're turning to Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, the Passion Translation. And as for us, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out before us. So we look, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and leads us forward into faith's perfection. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing you you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and he conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise God. Praise you, God. You know, every believer has a testimony and we should marvel that the creator of the universe loves to have a relationship with us. Amen. As Pastor Kate shared last week, we should stay amazed. How has this scripture been outworked and applied in my life? Well, you know, we can impress people with our strengths, but when we are vulnerable and transparent, this is how we connect with each other. And I'm about to be vulnerable with you. 
know, I used to like the idea of people thinking that I had it all together, but now I can't wait to tell people how much of a hot mess I was and to tell them how great God is and what He has done. So here's the short version of 40 years in the life of Tracy Hansen. Hey, I was raised in a caring family. None of us knew God. Born in the 1970s on my dad's 33rd birthday. When I was born, I had a very bad case of telepathy, so my feet were fused together and the doctors weren't sure whether I would be able to walk or not. So I had multiple surgeries up until the age of 12, which left me with many physical scars. You know, I love school, except sport. In cross country, I was that last kid when it came to sports teams and captains would choose people that, you know, you come on my team, I was that last kid. However, at the age of eight, my dad got me, uh, I started playing the piano. I always loved music and singing. It was kind of like a creative outlet that became my happy place. But at intermediate, however, I became aware that I looked different to all the other kids. And that's when a spirit of fear and shame just came over me and I was bullied. At high school, I hated doing speeches. I, I just couldn't do this. I, was, I wasn't confident, I was shy. At family get-togethers, you know, I'm a Māori, and not all Māoris are like this, but they'd joke around, they'd call me cripple and hoppy, you know, things like that. You know, my brothers would tease me. Um, I would laugh it off, as you do, but inside, my heart was hurting. At the age of 18, my parents had been married for almost 30 years and their marriage broke up. My dad was incredibly heartbroken and he tried to commit suicide. However, praise the Lord, that attempt failed and a nurse shared the gospel with my dad and he gave his heart to Jesus. Yes. So over a few years, I watched my dad, the Christian, go from this broken man to all of a sudden, he was smiling, content, happy. He was peaceful. I wanted what he had, but I just didn't know it. But at the age of 23, I came to a very dark place and I decided I didn't want to be here anymore. However, that night the phone rang and it was my dad and he said, I love you so sincere and he said you're moving home so I moved home and he shared the gospel with me and I gave my heart to Jesus at the age of 26 I got married four days later we had our first baby you know at this time I was actually in a bad state and you know, God is really funny because I lost all of my teeth. And I walked into this dentist and on the wall was Psalm 84, it says, open your mouth and I will fill it. <laughs> you know what? I felt like the youngest person in the world to have falsies. But praise God, his, his praises have been coming out of my mouth ever since. <laughs> so I'm not ashamed. I said, Jesus, everywhere I go, Lord, thank you for these teeth. I'm going to smile for you, Jesus. I'm going to smile for you every, everywhere 
ago, almost 14 years ago, I was six months pregnant with my second son, Jacob. I had a very close relationship with my mum. However, she died of cancer. I was tremendously sad. However, my dad led my mum through the salvation prayer and she gave her heart to Jesus one week before she died. So here we are. I thank God for the power of the cross. You know, I get get excited to know that God can use my mess to be the message that will bring hope to the brokenhearted, that can pull every heart out of darkness and into His glorious light. And this is joy. You know, just as it says in Hebrews 12:1, it teaches us to let go of every wound. God has brought healing to my heart, praise God. He has taught me to let go of every failure, struggle, insult, offense, the grief, the anger, to let it go. As it says in Hebrews 12 too, my gaze is fixed on Jesus. I now see how he sees people of value. You are loved. With the same God, uh, with the same comfort that God has used to comfort me, I too can comfort others. And this is joy. Jesus is joy. I am a joy carrier. His joy is our strength. Amen. It's a joy to have the help, comforter and best friend and fellow comedian, the Holy Spirit. You know, His kindness makes us want to change. He makes me want to change. I'm not the same person I was years ago. I'm not the same person I was even six months ago. Courage and character has been developed. I can get up in the morning, look in the mirror. I'm a different kind of person. I walk with a different kind of spirit. And this is joy. You know, God is hilarious. I never thought I'd be a mum because I was a bit out of control pre-marriage. <laughs> and I had no identity, but thank God for the cross. Thank God for the power of the cross. He's shown me who I am in Him, His beloved. You know, man looks on the outside outwardly, but thank God He looks at the heart. He sees your heart. Amen. I have so much to be happy about. He's blessed me with this wonderful husband, four beautiful children, and we all love Jesus. You know, our firstborn son is going to Taiwan on a missions trip next week. Yes. You know, it's an honor, a real honor to be in the house of God. You know, I'm astounded, and this is joy. If God can change my life, He can do it for anybody. And God still performs wonders today. You know, when Jesus hung on that cross, He let go of everything that had happened to Him. Why? Because He had a eternal perspective. You know, and we get to be a part of His legacy. His gaze and His focus was fixed on the Father. He was the Son of God, and He could have commanded angels to rescue Him, but He didn't. You know, we're about to take communion great if you can hand them out if you like. You know, this is a very special and significant time where we, as God's family, we remember the great sacrifice that He gave for all of us. He surrendered His will to the Father because He had you in mind. He had your family and this community in mind. And that brings extraordinary joy to God's heart. You see, you are the joy that He died for. 
as it says in Hebrews 12, verse two, his example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his. He endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand throne of God. And Jesus endured, if Jesus endured, this encourages us to endure for him, amen. The greatest miracle is a surrendered, transformed life for his glory. And that's the power of the cross as we take up communion this morning. His body was broken so he could have a relationship with us. Isn't that amazing? So kind that he would want to have a relationship with us. You see, he's not baby Jesus anymore. And he's not the crucified Jesus anymore. You see, we can't have a resurrection without a crucifixion, right? So now he is the risen King. He's the resurrected King. And we can be so grateful that His Spirit is alive in me and in you today. And this is joy. This is joy. So this is the God who we celebrate, honor, and remember as you take communion this morning, you are His joy. Awesome, Tracy. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy that's new every morning. Jesus, today we, we do this in remembrance of you. Lord, today we remind ourselves of the story that you tell us to tell to every generation, to do this in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your wonderful victory on the cross. Let's eat and drink together. Amen. Hey, why don't we give to the Lord this morning? How many people do you know that you have got something that you can be grateful for? You know, I was uh, just thinking about the story of the, of the lepers that were healed. Um, one came back. All got healed, but one came back and acknowledged. I want to be the one that always remembers, that never forgets who Jesus Christ is and what He has done in my life. If you've been grateful for the, the Lord has blessed you in some way, if you just want to acknowledge Him today as the source of your, as the source of your being, you just sow your tithes this morning. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you today for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are with us today in Jesus' name. Father, this morning, we thank you for the good things that you have in store for us. We enter into that today in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, all God's people said, amen. Fantastic worship team, did an amazing job. Welcome back, Robin. Esther, where are you? There you are. Welcome back, guys, back from Malaysia, got married. How you all doing this morning? Good. You're good? I just want to pray for somebody first. We'll pray for a couple. Was Gary and Glenda? Where are you? Hey, come on in. Get Gary. Somebody get Gary. Get him. Come on up. 
You're off to Vanuatu. When are you going? Next Saturday. Uh, 11 nights. Fantastic. You guys have done an amazing work there. And uh, just great to see what you've done off of your own back and how you've carried this vision in your heart to, to bless the people. And where's Gary? He's coming soon. It's all right. He'll come out in a minute. So these guys are off. They took, uh, took a mission team. Was it last year you took the mission team? Yeah, so you're going back this year to invest into the relationships and you're going to go back again next year? Going to take a team next year. Think about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, why don't we just come down here? Why don't we just stretch our hands out, church, and let's just start to pray for Gary and Glenda. Hopefully Gary comes in soon. Thank you, Jesus. Shala bakisiana, raba kasiana, rabushiana, arabakitiana, shala bakisiana, raba kisiana. Father, we thank you today for Gary and Glenda. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the um, for the heart that they have for the people of Vanuatu. Lord, I thank you for your blessing over their lives. Father, today, Lord, we just send them forth as as, a, as embassies from Bay City. Father, we send them forth into their country, into their nation. Father, we pray today that they would carry the mantle of this house in Jesus' name. Father, that you would uh, use them to heal broken hearts, to, to set captives free, to open up the eyes of the blind, to pray in Jesus' name. Father, we cover them today with, your, with the blood of Jesus Christ. We surround them with a host of angels today in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you today, Father, for your spirit that lives within them today. I thank you for the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, lives within inside of them today. I thank you today that as they speak, Lord, that your voice would speak through them today in Jesus' name. Lord, as they minister, Lord, I thank you that today that demons will flee. Father, that lives will be restored. Father, that people will be resurrected in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray today that you'd watch over their travels, watch over their family today in Jesus' name. Father, we surround them with a hedge of protection over their hearts and over their minds and over their bodies today in Jesus' name. Father, let them go, Father, with the fullness of the strength of God in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. So those people today uh, that um, have got clothes here to give into Vanuatu, if you just meet uh, Glenda out in the foyer after the service, somewhere near the Ask Me desk, would that be good? Yeah, and, um, and they're going to take clothes over. If you've got clothes and uh, you didn't get that memo, uh, we put it through the Connect groups and uh, some of our leaders, then um, they're not leaving till Saturday. Is that right? So you can contact Glenda directly. Awesome. We all good? Yes. I love it. Great to be back in the house. Great to be back away with uh, Alan and Tawan. Just getting our, our minds uh, blown up a little bit. So it's fantastic. Uh, getting our thinking enlarged and um, it's just great to be back. Don't forget we've got Pastor Io going to be here next week. And uh, Kate and I will be up in Auckland ministering with uh, Pastor Luca and Joe Robertson in their church. I encourage you to pray for us and uh, come along and support uh, Io. Um, he will be planting a church in the, in the coming year and he was going to be planting the church uh, under our covering. So this is a day of expansion. So come, bless him and, and uh, let's welcome him. Where is Moses? Moses, are you here today? No, I can't see you. Moses, 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 Moses on the car park. 
wherever you are, Moses, I felt the Lord had put this in my heart that you need to get your passport ready because I believe that you're going to go uh, on a mission trip and uh, you wondered how you could ever get out of the country, but God is, God is, God is a God of miracles. And I specifically saw you going into the islands, uh, Fiji or the Cook Islands, or maybe both. Uh, so I want to encourage you to, to prepare your heart and to prepare your passport. And so too, uh, Roger Takiri, um, thank you so much for your service in the car park. And I, maybe we should send a, a, a car park mission team. Someone else can look after it for a while and send these guys out on a mission trip. The power of God will move powerfully through their lives. Amen. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your ministry this morning. Thank you, Lolo. Come and give them a hand. They did a great job. I want to share something today. Who enjoyed Pastor Kate last Sunday? Woo. She'll be up again soon. And uh, I wanted to share something I felt in my heart. I felt in the Holy Spirit just impressing upon me. And uh, I believe we're, we're in a powerful season. Somebody say, our greatest days are ahead. I want to encourage you today, your greatest days, your greatest hour is, is in front of you right now, both as an individual and collectively as a church. Sure, you might have had some rocky roads in the past, but I want to, not those rocky roads, the, the, the other one. But I want to tell you that God is bringing us into a new season. I can feel it in my own heart. If you can feel something stirring, agitating, if you're getting a little bit angry, whatever is going on inside of your life, I want to encourage you. God is wanting to bring you into a new season. Somebody say, enter in. Enter in. Somebody tell the person next to you, I'm going to enter in. I'm going to enter in. I want to just uh, pick up a little bit this morning, and it's a, it's a piece of scripture that many of you would know off by heart, um, but nonetheless, I still want to bring it out because I do believe it's prophetic for us, and uh, whenever we read the scriptures, uh, whenever we read the Old Testament, we see it, um, uh, we, we, you can read it in a literal sense as a, as a story or a narrative, but then you can also read it as a prophetic word of what God is doing in our life, and um, the narrative of God of bringing people out of slavery and into the promised land is perpetual. In other words, it's not just a one-time event. We are saved, but then we're on the process of being saved and entering in, into the place of promise. So the obvious question is, what is the promised land and how do I get there? How do I know that I'm in the place of promise? And I don't know about you, but um, this, this is what I mean by it's perpetual. There's always things in our life that God is wanting to bring us out of slavery or off, out, out of slavery and into places of promise. Uh, for me personally, I have not yet entered into the fullness of what God has promised over my life. I have been saved out of slavery, but there are still parts of my life that need to be, be set free. There are still parts of my heart that I need to journey on. There's still places that I've got to inherit. Hello. There are still places that you have got to inherit. How do you know? How would you know if you got to the fullness of what God has for you? That's what I mean. It's perpetual. God is always bringing us out of something and into places of promise. There are prophetic words that have been spoken over my life that have not yet come to fruition. There are prophetic words that have been spoken over this church that have not yet come to fruition. There has been prophetic words that have been spoken over your life that have not yet been fulfilled. Today, I want to give you something that will help you enter in into what God has for you. Amen. 
I love the scripture. Uh, it says in, um, uh, in Numbers chapter 13, let's just have a look at there. Many of you, again, will know the scripture. We don't have to go through the whole thing. You can go through it if you want to. And it says in, verse, in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 23, when they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a single a branch with a single cluster of grapes. Somebody say a single cluster. They cut one cluster of grapes off the vine. And that single cluster of grapes was so large that it took two men to carry it on a pole between them. How would you know if you came into the promised land? Here this says they found one bunch of grapes that it took two men to carry on a pole. They also brought back, somebody say brought back. They brought back samples of pomegranates and figs. And then after, in verse 25, and after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. And they reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit. Somebody say, show me the fruit. Show me the fruit that they had taken from their land. And their report to the Moses was this. We entered in. Somebody say entered in. We entered into the land that you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Somebody say flowing. It's flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit that it produces. I love what... Um, what Peter and Sandy have been talking about on the, on the Monday night uh, uh, healing of the journey of the heart, talking about the fruit, what kind of fruit is produced in your life. Fruit comes from something. One of the things when I look at the promised land, one of the key indicators of where I've entered into the promised land is simply this. And this gives me, a, gives me an example. Again, it is a metaphor. I'm not going to bring grapes. But the thing is, it says this. There are, the, what does the promised land or the vision of the future look like for us? How would we know what it looks like? How would we know that we have entered into the fulfillment that God has for us? How could you measure that? How could you say, yes, I am walking in, or no, I have not entered yet? How could you say that? How could you, how could you evaluate that? One, there are probably many ways. I'm just going to bring you out two. And uh, one, say, I believe this, the abundance or the size of the fruit. The abundance or the size of the fruit. They brought back from the land a single cluster of grapes that it took two men to carry. Don't you tell me that God is not a poor God and God does not want his people to be abundant. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that God has placed in our life, it multiplies into an impact far beyond that we could ever, ever, ever imagine. Your marriage, the impact of your marriage, if you think about the size of the grapes, we're talking about physical size, they were big, it took two men to carry them. You look at the things that when God is producing something in your life, he multiplies it to the capacity where it carries a lot of weight and there's a lot of substance there. The fruit of God's work of, of you entering into the promises of God is there is an abundance of fruit inside of your life. For example, when you have allowed God to bring you uh, in your marriage, you'll find that there is an abundance of fruit in your marriage. You'll find that there is a, an abundance of joy in your heart. There is an abundance of peace in your, heart, in your mind. There is, an, a, there is an abundance of the things of God inside of your life. 
For some people, they get a little agitated when we talk about being big or being big-hearted or, or being big in our finances or big in our generosity. The things of the kingdom are big. Somebody who has had their mind shifted into the, towards the place of promise, you're a big thinker. You've got a big heart. You know how to love generously. You know how to love big. You give big. You're big with your words. You are big with your attitude. You are not small. You don't, yeah. The things of the kingdom are big. The other one it says here, one cluster of grapes that took two men to carry. The other one is this, there was a flow of milk and honey. I'm not going to unpack the milk and honey side of things today. But the Bible says the, the, the word flow means there's a gushing. There is a, it's not just a trickle. There's no just a trickle of praise. There's not just a trickle of worship. There's not just a trickle of generosity. There is a multiplication of, uh, of, of the things of God inside of your life. Whenever the, the, the word flow, the, 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 it's a little bit graphic to unpack, so I'm not going to really unpack it for you. But with the, 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 the word flow in this particular um, uh, this particular scripture or this particular application has to do with reproduction. We're going to leave it there. It refers to a productive or a reproductive nature. In other words, the creation, the multiplication, and the sustainability of value. One of the things that you know when somebody has entered into the things of the kingdom, entered into their place of promise, there is productivity in their life. In other words, there is a flow of, of reproduction in their life. They're producing, there's not just a, a, a one good fruit that appears and then disappears. There's a continual flow of goodness. There is a continual flow of the fruit of the Spirit. There is a continual flow of blessing. There is a continual flow of people being raised up. There is a continual flow of your life having an impact, not just a one-off. Hello, are you with me this morning? That's how you can tell. The, I, I, it's not about whether you, whether you can give a word of knowledge or such. I mean, that's part of it. But if there's an outpouring of the gifts of the Spirit, in other words, is the joy that you carry contagious or are you a grumpy old person? <laughs> you may read the Bible and all that things, but if you haven't, you can tell straight away when somebody has entered into the fullness of God and, and, and part of their life, the joy overflows out of their life. They don't take offense. They don't stop. They don't blame little things. They don't get caught up in little wee things. It's just, oh, let it fly. It's just nothing. Their joy is contagious. Their peace is contagious. There are some people that you can get around, and when you get around their life, it's kind of like, whoa. Other people, it's like, yeah. There are two things, look, there's possibly many, but I'm just going to give you two things, and I'm only going to look at one of them today because it is so powerful. There's two things that influence whether we enter in or whether we don't enter into these things of God. They are so very, very simple. Very, very simple. The first one is this. It says here, and this was the report to Moses. We entered the land that you sent us to explore. It is indeed bountiful, a land flowing milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit that it produces. It was a demonstration of fruit. They didn't, didn't talk about it. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are big, blah, 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 blah. And they started to blame this, and blame the pastor, and blame, blah, blah, blah. And then 
Verse 30, but Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land because we can certainly conquer it. Let's go at once. Let's move now. Don't need to, to, let's not debate about it for the next year whether we should expand or do that. Don't, don't, let's do it now. Let's take the opportunity now and move forward. The very thing, the, one of the things that will determine whether you enter into the things of God or whether you don't enter into the things of God is the way that you talk. Hello. There are, I want to talk about speech because speech, the way that we talk, the virtue of speech really does shape far more than you can ever imagine whether you enter in or whether you don't. So it's not up to a select spiritual bunch of spiritual people. There are things that we release and never get back, but yet they set the course of eternity or history. It's the power of our voice. Our words, our ability to speak is one of the most, or probably the most powerful faculty that we have been given, that you have been given by God. The power of your voice is the most powerful faculty that you have. Hello? Powerful, far more powerful than any miracle. You can pray for somebody and the eyes will be open, but it doesn't necessarily change the way that you converse. The, the, your voice, our voice, individually and collectively, is the most powerful gift that we have been given by God. The first principle of voice is this, that it's holy. The first and the most important principle of our voice is that it's holy. Why? Because by words, God created the universe. With words, God created, God formed us. Inherently, he didn't do it by waving his arms or breathing. He, he did it by speaking, let there be. So our voice, our, 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 our ability to speak and communicate is the most holiest thing that you and I could ever have. Possibly wrong there, but I'm good. It's the most sacred gift that we could have. The first power. So with words, God created this world. Inherently, our voice is creative. It has creative power. With our voice, we create environments, and we also can control environments. It was the first power that God gave to man to name or to classify or to bring order to the world. The very first power that God gave to man was to bring, to name the animals or to name creation. He did that by voice. So the very first power that God entrusted to us was the power of voice or the power of speech. Hello, you with me this morning? I'm just going to run through a few things really quickly. There's just so much to expand on, but there's a couple of things I want to, I want to bring to you. One, we know that God reveals himself with words. Words or the power of voice is a vehicle of revelation. 
One of the ways that God communicates or God makes himself known to us is by his, by his voice. So we can see that voice, or our capacity to speak, is inherently sacred. He reveals his heart by his voice. We reveal our heart by the words that we speak. By words, we enter into his presence. By our voice, we enter into his presence. Psalm 100 verse 4. We enter his courts with thanksgiving and enter his presence with his, his, his courts with praise. So by words, by virtue of speech, by the words that we speak out of our mouth, we create environments, but we also come into his presence that way. That's the protocol for coming into his presence, by the words that we speak. Our words are at the heart of bonding, or one of the, one of the first expressions of love. A God or anyone who doesn't speak is impersonal. Have you ever been in a relationship and the person doesn't speak one iota? It's kind of like... Relationship is formed by the words that we speak. The bonding of hearts takes place by the vulnerability of our words that we speak. Our words give us the ability to express ideas, dreams, fears, pains, afflictions, affections, desires, and needs. It's by words that we exchange hearts and our hearts are bonded together. Such is the sacredness of our words. We use speech to create covenants, which are moral or spiritual bindings that didn't exist before. Like the Bible says in Matthew 18, verse 18, whatever you bind on earth or loose on earth has already been bound or loosed in the heavens. In other words, when we enter into a covenant, we enter into a covenant by the words that we speak. If I make a promise to you, or when you, beget, when you become married, when you get married, you exchange words. It's one of the things that you do in a wedding. All of a sudden, after you have exchanged words, what has happened after you've exchanged words is there is a, is there's a moral imperative or there's a spiritual bonding that is now formed that wasn't there before. It's the same thing with the Treaty of Waitangi. Waitangi. It's a bonding, it's a covenant that wasn't there before, but now it is. And you can't just, because it's a covenant, you can't just wipe it off, you can't just take it away. It is a legally binding agreement that affects the spiritual dimension over our nation. You can't just ignore it, you can't pretend it's not there, it is there. It's something that has established us as a as, as foundation on our nation. God's covenant spoken to Abraham he said, I will bless you and make you a great nation. I will bring you into a land of promise. That is why they were there in the first place, because of a covenant that was made between God and Abraham, which is the very reason why they were standing at the place of promise in the first place. Covenant is the word that joins heaven and earth. It is the word spoken, the word heard, and the word affirmed and honored in trust. That's what forms a covenant bonding. That is why the words that we speak are so important. Words shape our identity. 
the story that we tell ourselves and the, the story that we tell the people around us. They, they shape our identity. I'm just going to race through a few of these quite quickly. The words, they, are, they establish boundaries. Whenever you establish a boundary in a, in a household, one of the things that you do to establish a boundary is you say words. Thus far, no more. If you go there, and things aren't going to be good. But one of the things that we do to create boundaries or to create order is that we use words. So you can see words inherently are exceptionally powerful. The most powerful gift that we've ever been given. It's why we can speak in, in, in the language that we can speak and not animals. The words that we speak, they give honor and they give appreciation. They create value by our words. We, when we honor somebody with our words or we honor up somebody with appreciation, it creates value in their lives that wasn't there before. For example, if I had somebody there that had experienced pain inside of their life or whatever, and I honored them, I would honor them by my words. I'd see the good inside of their life. What would happen? Their sense of value as a person would come up. I've just created something that wasn't there before by the power of my words. And the same token, with all of these things, there's a negative side as well. You can deconstruct, you can destroy, you can break down, you can dishonor, you can devalue. You can create chaos with your words that we speak. Our words bring correction. It gives wisdom. It reveals foolishness at the same time. But it also imparts faith and courage. When we speak, the words that we speak carry life. The Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can either create life in an environment or life in a person literally by the words that we speak or we can destroy them to a place of ash literally by the words. Many people here, you can feel today, I'm sure if you could recall it, you could feel today the tongue lashing that many people would have experienced and the destruction they would have faced inside of your life. That's why for this place, I want our church, I want my life to be a place that brings honor that the words that we speak, they're not words of death, but they are spirit words of life. It enables us to share or reveal what's in our heart. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 12, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In today's world, that can also be elaborated a little bit more that on social media, so the fingers type. You can tell, by the way, or the words that come out on social media, for example, the posts that get put up, emails, the texts that get written, all of those things, they carry a spirit behind them. It enables us. Let me just show you a little picture. Just show this picture. I just thought it would be really good for you to illustrate, to illustrate this. This is what the spiritual dimension is like. Whenever we speak, whether our words are in public or private, has no matter, no, makes no difference at all. Whenever we speak, there's always a spirit attached to it. 
It has the power to create. And what happens in the spiritual realm is this. It understands, the spirits understand the nature and the sentiments behind our words. They use our words to be able to create either havoc or blessing in the world around us. This is from, I saw this live, and you, you may not be able to read it, but let me explain it to you. This here is the social, this is what's called a, a social media analysis. In other words, what it's done is it's taken the, uh, this is all done by permission. Uh, as you can see, JK rolling up there. So it's basically taken her social media profile. This happened seven years ago and I took the photo of this, taken her social media profile. Over here, it shows her, her tweets. All right? But over here, what it does is this. It analyzes, it captures every single word that is put out there, every single one. And you can start to see it starts to build a profile of that person. So it starts to say personality analysis. In other words, by the virtue of your words that just being typed on the internet, it starts to build a personality analysis of what you are like as a person. Over here, it says your social behavior, which is the pink part up the top here, and all those words. So all of those words are a breakdown of how you're likely to behave in particular social environments. It says the big five, I can't remember what that is. But over here you can see values, or values, or um, something else. In other words, what, what moves you, what you value, how educated you're likely to be, how hung up on issues you are, what things have got inside of your head, what things inside have got inside of your heart. So what happens is the digital world can capture absolutely all of that, and it builds a profile of you. It knows more about you than you know about yourself. It can tell how educated you are. It can tell what kind of problems you're likely to be facing inside of your life. And exactly, this has happened seven years ago, and I can show you this, that it's got far more detail than that now. If the social media, if, the, if our natural world can do this, the spiritual dynamic happens in exactly the same way, and even more so detail. The words that we speak, there is a, a profile of us built in the spiritual realm. And it either releases us into the fullness of God or releases us or keeps us in a place of bondage. Some of you are a little bit, hmm. Might have to be looking at cancelling my account. <laughs> Everything that you say, it's out there. See, our words, and then so what they can do with this information here is that they use information to specifically target areas of your life for marketing campaigns. And in the same way, the devil works in the same way. The devil's got a full personality analysis of you. Knows what kind of things that you're struggling with in your heart. Knows what offenses are in your heart. It knows what hang-ups you've got. It knows what's empowering your speech. And it knows exactly what buttons to push in your life. Paul in Philippians chapter 4, four verse 12, 11, he says, not that I speak from any need. Not that I speak from any need. Often people speak out of a place of need. 
People often speak out of, there's either people speak out of the abundance of their heart or they speak out of a deficit of their heart. I can tell now when somebody speaks to me whether, and I can even learn for myself, am I saying this out of a place of need or am I saying what I'm saying out of a place of abundance in my heart? Don't be, never be deceived. The spiritual world, you can't fool the spiritual world. You can't, we can't come to church and lift our hands and praise Jesus and then go and backbite and speak critically and blame. And It's not going to happen. The way that we speak, he says, I don't speak out of need. Many conversations or many uh, words that we speak can be done just simply out of need. There's never, I believe, I mean, it's our voice is there to express need, but Paul is saying, I don't speak out of a need. In other words, I'm filled in my life. I don't need the approval of people. I'm not trying to get people's attention. I'm not trying to create an I'm not trying to trying to create a drama by the words that I speak. No, no. I don't I welcome your your encouragement, but I don't need it because I'm full in Christ. You can call me apostle, you can call me Paul, it doesn't really matter. Because my identity is already found in who I am. I don't, my name doesn't need to be propped up. My value doesn't need to be propped up by you calling me a title. So our voice is inherently holy. That's why misuse of our words really upsets the Lord and quenches the Holy Spirit. To use words to bring harm is to take something sacred and use it for destruction. To misuse or abuse words to sow suspicion and dissension is not just destructive, it's sacrilege. It takes something that is holy, the human ability to communicate and join soul to soul and use it for the lowest of purposes to divide soul from soul. In the same way, Psalm Psalm 19 verse 12 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable unto you. See, the two are connected. What's in the heart will come out of the mouth. I don't know about you, but I've experienced conversations with people. And there are some conversations I've had that I only have to say the one word, and my spirit is lifted. Some voices that I hear, just the tone, just the sound, just the words that they use. Fills me. When I hear the voice of the Lord, when I hear him call my name, courage fills my heart. David. Yeah, he's with me. But sometimes I hear words and they're cynical. Yeah, there may be a single word, but the barb, the, the spirit behind that word, the, the attitude, the substance behind that one word you can feel. You come away from just hearing one word and think, oh, I've just encountered something horrible. Let me explain. In James chapter 3, James describes who can manage the tongue. The tongue is... Such a crazy little fella. But there's one thing he says, there's one line he says in the book of James. He says, the tongue is a fire. It doesn't say it is like a fire. He says it is a fire. 
The tongue is a fire. In other words, the words that we speak is fire. It is fire. Not like a fire, it is fire. Fire requires three elements. Oxygen, which is our breath. In other words, the breath inside of us. uh, Fire can't burn without oxygen. It's got to have an atmosphere for it to to, to, to burn. Second thing, it needs fuel or it needs substance. The third thing, it needs an ignition source, which is agreement. When you have an ignition source come to the impact with the fuel or the substance in the right atmosphere, you've got yourself fire. Let me explain a little bit. You can use fire to warm the house. You can use that same fire to burn the house down. You can use fire to create warmth and to create light, to create amazing environment, but yet you can also use that same fire to cause havoc and destruction. But the Bible says that the tongue is like, it is fire. It's out of it can come both praise, but also shame and dishonor as well, and destruction. It says, who can tame the tongue? Who can tame, who can tame the tongue? And that's why we've got the issue of hate speech today. Because our speech is so sacred. So whose responsibility or on whom does the onus lie to tame the tongue? If the government tries to do it, well, that's a form of suppression. And suppressing speech is trying to suppress the greatest gift they'd ever gave across. Man, you can't. It is not up to the government to suppress speech. Yet in the same token, speech must also be boundary. Sounds like a bit of a paradox, huh? But essentially the onus is on each and every one of us. And what kind of words will we create? What kind of words that are coming out of our mouth? In other words, here's what I want to narrow it down to, is this. When you and me, when we come together and praise, one, we need substance. In other words, we need a spirit of faith. When there is faith in there, when somebody comes along and, and strikes, or we come together in agreement. In other words, when I come and stand with you in prayer over something. Yes, um, faith is the what? The faith is the substance. Things hoped for, but yet unseen. So faith is a substance. In other words, when I come and stand with you in agreement, I'm believing that there is breakthrough for you. I'm believing today that there is financial breakthrough. When I come and stand with you and we strike hands together, my goodness, faith is ignited. There is a fire that is ignited. When we as a church have built us an atmosphere of love, when we have worked the ground that our hearts have been, um, have been worked on and restored and there's substance inside of our heart, and then an apostle comes through and ignites something, in our, there is something that will ignite inside of us. Sometimes... You've got to strike that baby a couple of times. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but you, when I come and preach, what, I, what I'm doing now essentially is this. I am just trying to strike a match. I am just trying to strike a fire inside of your life. Sometimes, I strike a little bit hard and break the match. <laughs> Sorry about that. But my intention is this. My intention is to ignite a fire of the Holy Spirit inside of your life. 
My intention is always to ignite something of the things of God inside of you. Our intention is this, to ignite a fire that would rush over our nation. In order for that fire to take place, it needs hearts that are prepared. It needs a voice that is responsive to the things of God. It needs a voice that will give breath to it. But in the same token, when somebody has offense, offense is a substance inside of their life. When you hold bitterness, it's a, it's, a, it's a substance inside of your life. All I've got to do is this. If somehow, somewhere can come along and just ignite that. This is how it ignites. Blame. Did you hear about Pastor Dave? He was just, he did what? Whenever you come to agreement, whenever you come into an agreement, when two offended people come into an agreement, in fact, it only takes one person to come into an agreement. When you come into an agreement with an offended person, it will ignite a fire of bitterness. It will ignite a fire of destruction. When you come into an agreement, when you remain silent, when somebody speaks unbelief, when you stay silent, you're essentially coming into an agreement. When somebody has been abused and you remain silent, you keep striking the match of abuse. The fire of destruction will keep burning. Our voice is the most powerful thing. That's why if somebody suppresses somebody's voice, when I suppress a person, when I suppress a person's capacity to speak, I am robbing them of their authority. And that is why the hate speech is such an issue. It's a fight for our most sacred gift. <laughs> a tithe. A tithe. When we tithe to the Lord, we tithe of our finances. We're acknowledging the Lord. But when we give an offering, we are striking against something in our heart. When I take an offering before the Lord, there's something of substance here. And I strike it against another bit of substance. There's something that's ignited in my life. All of us at some point, every day of our life, either ignite the fire of destruction or we ignite the fire of hope and faith. Just keep going. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder what would change if just our voice changed. I wonder what would change in our life. I wonder what the future, how much the future would change if we became more aware and more conscious of the way that we handled our voice. 
So the way that we handle our voice is the same way that we would handle fire. Because it said, our voice is fire. In the same way that you would handle fire, handle your voice. The words that you speak, make sure that they're not going to burn somebody. Let's make sure that our words are guarded, that if there is something of substance, of offense inside of our heart, please, for the sake of all of us, for the sake of you, for the sake of what God has promised for you, deal with the offense. I'm just going to finish on this. I've done enough. Back to Caleb, he says, sensing that their words were demoralizing the people, Caleb, one of the spies, interrupted with a message of reassurance. There is some talk that has just got to be interrupted. There is some talk that has just got to stop. There is some talk that has got to be interrupted with a message of faith. There is talk that is small and there is talk that is big. There is talk that will bring you into the place of promise and there is talk that will hold you back. Let this be a place where if there is conversations that are going on and they're just little niggly bat-biting things, just for heaven's sake, stop it. For the sake of all of us, stop it. Have I got a weakness? Absolutely, I confess it. I'll confess them all to you. It doesn't really matter. For just to stop the negativity. Stop coming into an agreement. Come into an agreement with the good. Come into an agreement with the promise of God that He has for you. It's not about avoiding, no, it's not. It's just about putting the emphasis on the good, not the bad. And if there is bad stuff there, then deal with it. Go to the course, get yourself healed. Do something. I wonder what kind of language or attitude we would hear today or feel that would resemble those of those men that spoke that day. Yes, we can. Surely God is with us. I encourage you, friends. I just kind of had enough now. (laughs) But I just, I urge you. We are... I believe on the verge of entering in something powerful. We're going to be planting churches. We're going to shake the city of Auckland. We're going to shake our nation again. That means when you come to church, strike a match. Come with faith. Respond in we are voice. Respond in praise. Respond in worship. Respond in your conversations one with another. Respond in your conversations in regards to me, especially. Not that I need it, it's for your sake. Because I'm moving forward, whatever you say. I'm walking into my place of promise, whether you speak good about me or bad about me. This shall be whether you come with me or not. Yeah, I'm bold enough to say it. Heavenly Father, we pray for your goodness today. We thank you today for your mercy. We thank you today for the most amazing gift of the power of speech, that we can inspire, that we can, we can create worlds, that we can
put your breath and manifest your breath and we can manifest your presence into this world. Father, today we come before your presence. Lord, where our words have carried the barbs of bitterness, where our words have carried the barbs of blame, where our words have carried the barbs of injustice. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us the grace to the strength to overcome and to find healing in that space in our life. Lord, I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would ignite faith, that you would ignite, that you would ignite hope, that you would ignite the fires of revival in every heart and every life here today in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that your presence would ignite, that your presence would strike upon us not to cut us down, but to lift us up, to set us on fire, that we would be people that shift our nation, that we would be people that shift the curse, that we'll be people that enter into the fullness of all that You have for us today. In Jesus' Name. And all God's people said, and all God's people said, I ask You this one thing, please, I just ask You this one thing. Make sure that you guard the conversations. And if somebody is complaining about something or someone or having a, just a good old moan or a blame shift or a, I could find other expressive more language, but it's the house of God. <laughs> but listen to the words that come out of your mouth. For me, I'm consciously becoming aware of the words that I speak. David, is this coming out of a place of pain? Or is this coming out of a place of abundance? Are you bringing correction? Or are you just frustrated? You're just bringing out your frustration on people. Yeah, I'm working all through that myself too. Because I know that the words I carry, they'll either bring up life or they'll bring destruction. Why don't we just stand up onto our feet? Let's just worship them. Let's lift our voice. Come on, lift it up. speak over your life today. Thank you, Lord, that you place your Spirit inside of my heart. Thank you, Lord, for the office that you've called me to as pastor of your people. Father, today I stand in that office. 
speak into the heart of every person in this place. I speak blessing into your life today in Jesus' Name. I speak prosperity over your emotions, over your health, over your body, over your finances, over your relationship. I call you forth today to be strong and courageous. I call you forth today to not be afraid, but to stand up. I call you forth into blessing. I call you forth into the fullness of the promises that God has over your life, over your life, over your children's life, and over your children's children's life. Today in Jesus' name, I bless you today. I bless you with joy. I bless you with peace. Come on, come into an agreement today. Yes. God's people said? Amen. Come on, all God's people said? Amen. Come on, let's ignite something today. Yeah. Have a fantastic week. If you need prayer, please just come to the front. Happy to pray, stand with you in agreement. Don't forget tomorrow night, next Sunday, it's going to be fantastic. God bless you.